that device, you got you got it digitally, you got the, yeah, there it is. All right, so Holy Spirit, this morning, we are, uh, we are committing our hearts and our minds to your word, and, and we are going to open your word, and we're going to ask that this morning you would speak to us, reveal the things that we need to see, uh, be that, that shining light, and we pray that, Lord Jesus, through you, Holy Spirit, that, that you would conform us more to your image, that it be glorifying to you, our Father in heaven, and all God's people said, Amen. All right, so we're opening up to Luke chapter 24, and I know some of you are like, wait, Luke, I thought we were Matthew. Uh, We will be back in the gospel of Matthew next week, but we're going to begin this morning in Luke chapter 24. I want to encourage you. I don't know if if any have picked up the new You Are Love shirt. We got any You Are Lovers out there? Let me see your shirts. Come on, stand up. Come on, stand up. Let's see it. Yeah, you got the old one. Nice. You got the vintage You Are Loved. I love it. So here's the thing. I just want to tell you there is legitimately anointing on this shirt. Yesterday, I was walking around the community. I was in Tom Thumb, and I was in all, and I saw people. I saw people look over, and they would read it, and I could see them, like, look down, and I could see them smile. And I found myself walking around. I'm like, I don't even have to say anything. I get to tell everybody that they're loved. I don't even have to speak a word. And you know what? opportunities to share about Jesus, opportunity to fellowship with other believers. It was crazy how God just like opened the doors for that. I want to encourage you, if you haven't picked up a shirt, uh, they're available for you in the lobby. All right, so I haven't talked to my wife about this, uh, which is why I'm going to talk to you about it first, right? Like that's always smart. So um, I've decided that it's time for me to get a new car. (laughs) Legit. Uh, the truck's a little old, and it's got a, an original aroma. So I'm like looking for something, uh, just a nice little car, you know, something humble. So I'm thinking of like an American 2023 Chevy Corvette Z06, you know what I mean? I mean, it's only 85,000. But think about this, it's got power. I'm talking 675 horsepower, 400 pound-feet of torque. We're talking 0 to 60 in 2.6 seconds. I'm talking like that's a legitimate power, you know? And, you know, you just see me, I just have like Pastor Chris license plate, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm talking Tim the Toolman Taylor grunting, insurance increasing, speed ticket receiving, power. Y'all know what I'm talking about? (laughs) So imagine with me that I actually get this car. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you all didn't hear that, my wife said, keep imagining. So I actually get this car, and, and, and I'm just like so stoked. And, and you see me, and, and I'm like pushing it everywhere. Like I'm pushing it around the community. I'm like behind it, I'm like just pushing it. You would immediately be like, what are you doing? Why aren't you driving it? And I'm just sitting there, and I, I just turn to you, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 I, I don't drive it, no, I just push it, and I just I love this sweet new car. Man, this is such a great car, you know how much power it is? And you know what's crazy? I could do that, but here's the thing, I would never experience the power. I could push that high-end car all over this town, but I would never experience the power until I drove it. And in many ways, our Christian life can be like that. We can have access to incredible amounts of power. I'm talking like heaven's horsepower. But we can operate within our own strength. So many Christians have this this opportunity to access heaven's horsepower, but we operate within our own power. 
And I'm talking like legitimate power, like the power that raised Jesus from the dead kind of power. I'm talking power that can take somebody from spiritual death to spiritual life in under 2.6 seconds. I'm talking power of prayer that can move mountains. I am talking about a power that can lead us to not just be better at not sinning, but lead us to literal victory over sin. I'm talking about experiencing the fullness and power and presence of God's love, not just talking about it. We spend a lot of time talking about the love of God, but I'm going to ask you right now, are you truly experiencing it? Are you experiencing a love that is beyond? Like I'm talking like exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever even understand. Are you experiencing a love that washes over you and wave after wave after wave of his goodness and his presence to where you're just like, oh, more Lord. Is that your experience? So today is Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, today's Pentecost Sunday. And you know, as we, we look at the calendar as the church, there are certain days that we set apart to commemorate very significant, important moments. Like, for example, Christmas. We set it apart to celebrate the birth of Christ. And then there's Good Friday to commemorate Christ's death on the cross, his suffering, the passion. And in Easter Sunday, where we commemorate Christ's resurrection from the dead. But what's interesting is in our vein of Christianity, we will often skip over Pentecost Sunday. Kind of just like blow by it uh, like, a, like a sign on the highway. But I want to argue that Pentecost Sunday is commemorating the most, one of the most, outside of resurrection, the most significant events in the history of the church. Because it was at Pentecost where the power of God and the presence of God through the person of the Holy Spirit fell upon the church. Forever changed. Forever changed. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to be in a progressive conversation. We're starting in Luke and we're going to move our way into the, the book of Acts. But we're picking up now in a conversation that Jesus is having with his apostles after he rose from the dead. I'm going to say that again because I, I don't know if we all caught that. Jesus is having a conversation with his apostles after he rose from the dead. Okay. Jesus lives, y'all. Y'all get that? Right? Like, you ever get to the point where you're reading and you're like, this is the resurrected Jesus talking. So he's having a conversation with his disciples. I say that. I mean, the disciples are gathered together, and they're probably in the upper room, and the doors are locked, and they're like, hey, have you heard the reports? Yeah, it's a, I, I, Jesus is risen. The tomb is empty. And they're having this conversation. Well, all of a sudden, Jesus just shows up. And I'm like, yeah. There he is. And they're immediately like, oh, he's a ghost. And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, guys, I'm literally here. Oh, you're a ghost. And he's like, okay, just feel my hands, feel my side. And, and oh, he's still a ghost. And Jesus is like, y'all got any fish? Which I think is such a cool deal. Like, he's like, do y'all have anything to eat? And they're like, well, yeah, we have some broiled fish here, which I'm like, yeah, that sounds delicious. So he takes some of that broiled fish and he starts to eat it with his disciples. And then he says, okay, guys, listen up. This is just what I told you. This is exactly what the scriptures teach. I told you this was going to happen. 
Luke chapter 24, and we are beginning in verse 44. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That is the Old Testament laid out. Jesus is like, I've been telling you this. I've been teaching you this. And then something very significant happened in verse 45. And it's something that if, if we as believers do not experience this, or if we're not a believer, this is like our natural experience, that literally the scriptures will remain inaccessible to us until the Lord opens our minds. So in verse 45, it says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Like at that very moment, like they went from having a closed mind to the scriptures where they would read it and they didn't see it. And then all of a sudden their eyes are open and they can't help but see it. Now, I don't know when that happened for you, but I remember like when my eyes were opened and the scriptures came to life and I was like, oh my gosh, have you read this? Have you seen this? And sometimes as believers, we get along, kind of long in the tooth. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember reading that. Oh, I used to be excited about that. And I was just like, what? Don't ever get used to the scriptures. Don't, don't ever get just like comfortable and, and just kind of like lulled by the scriptures. Always be excited. I love this, what J. Vernon McGee says. In order to understand the Bible... You have to have the Spirit of God open your mind and heart. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you will not understand the Scriptures. I mean, there's things that you'll understand, maybe the history and all that, but they will not open to you. And so Jesus opens their minds, and then listen to this. He says, guys, here's the message. And this wasn't just a message for the apostles or for the early church. This is a message for us. This is literally our message. Verse 46 through 48. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the gospel. Family, Jesus suffered and died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in the grave, and on the third day, he resurrected from the grave in power. Jesus lives. He has ascended to heaven. He is at the right hand of the Father, and that all who believe in him, all who repent of their sins and turn to him, will receive forgiveness. How much is forgiveness worth? priceless. It means peace with God, peace with the living God. It means a presence and fullness of God and power and the Holy Spirit. Like, yes, the gospel. That is our message. But I will tell you right now that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, and don't get me wrong here, I'm not, I'm not saying that the gospel message and the words that we, we share are powerless, but I'm going to tell you right now, apart from the Holy Spirit, the words of the gospel have no power. See, the message has to be empowered. And that's exactly why in verse 49, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to send to you what my Father has promised. And in fact, stay in the city until you've been, listen to this, clothed with power from on high. You see, the apostles had their message, but they didn't have power. 
And they were to wait in Jerusalem until they received this this power that Jesus had talked about. I love the word power. It is the Greek word dynamis. Dynamis. It's where we get the English word dynamic. It speaks of power and strength and supernatural abilities. We're talking about a dynamic power and strength and supernatural God-given abilities that they would not have apart from. They were lacking something. And Jesus was going to send it. The Father was going to send it. They were literally going to be clothed with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, you know, you could be dressed in all kinds of nice clothes, but you know what what I want to be dripped out in? The Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? I'm talking head to toe, clothed in the Holy Spirit power from on high. Flip over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, the book of Acts chapter 1. And we very, very well may be picking up in the narrative right where chapter 24 lets off. Author of the book of Luke and the author of the book of Acts, Luke. And so it makes all the sense in the world that he's picking up where he left off in chapter 24. In verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, on one occasion while he was eating with them. Who is this? It's the resurrected Jesus. He's having a meal, enjoying some broiled fish. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Listen to this. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I love this, that Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a gift. How do you receive a gift? Right? Like hands out, hands open. Lord, please, I ask you. And he's like, you don't have to beg for this gift. I just want to give it to you. All you have to do is receive it. And when I think about the Holy Spirit, I'm like, if I can receive more of God's presence, more of God's power, more of, more of him, I'm like, I want more. I want more, Lord. And this, this wonderful gift is being promised. And he says that in just a few days, they were going to be baptized. Baptizo, it means to be like submerged or dunked or plunged. Could you imagine? Like literally just like God just goes, and they're just like plunged into the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine like swimming around in the Holy Spirit, like coming, like life, vibrancy, spiritual life. I mean like they're going to be baptized. And then in Acts 1-8, Jesus says, in just a few days, right? You will receive what? You will receive what? You will receive what? You will receive what? Yeah, see, you all caught up. So you all were louder over here. I I believe you all. You you all are going to blow this team out of the water. Are you ready? You will receive what? You will receive what? You will receive what? Sometimes we read this and we're like, oh, yeah, receive power. The Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the earth. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So they were going to be clothed, baptized, and receiving power. So there's all this anticipation. I don't know about you, but I love receiving a gift. 
You know, I love that anticipation that's building. I'm like, I sure hope it's a Chevy Corvette Z06. <laughs> and Madeline's like, here's your Hot Wheel. <laughs> but they're waiting. But what's fascinating, and this is my story, that for so long I read this passage, and I read passages like this, kind of like I read the stories of like the extravagantly wealthy. Like, we read the stories of the Elon Musks or the, the Jeff Bezos or the Warren Buffetts. Like, I can kind of conceptualize that type of wealth, but I've never experienced it. And I can kind of conceptualize the power that is being described here in the book of Acts, but the experience of it is so infrequent, if present at all. And so sometimes these passages, they seem so, sort of theologically theoretical. They're just kind of theologically theoretical. And we're like, I wonder what that was like. I mean, I just imagine with me for a moment, if the apostles were clothed, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit, like our typical experience, how would Acts chapter 2 read? If the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit, like we experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, what would Acts chapter 2 read like? It would kind of read like the air being let out of a balloon. So I don't know how to explain this. So uh, over the past couple of years, I came to be aware of something very, uh, very significant. And, and as, a as a pastor, this is a real, um, it's a hard place to be, and I'm so thankful for it. But I, I knew over the past couple of years that I was preaching, but there was no power. I don't know how to describe that to you. I just knew. And I've shared that with people, and people have been like, no, Chris, your teaching's been good and all that. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you. But I just knew. I could do the exegetical work, and I could prepare the teaching, but I knew there was no power. And, and I began to pray, and I knew that there was no power in my own spiritual life. Like, I was, I was like kind of like white-knuckling my spiritual life. And I'm like, where's the power? And then all of a sudden, I started praying like crazy things like, Lord, I, I believe there is more. I pray for more of your goodness, more of your presence, more of you, Holy Spirit. Like, I started opening my life, and then something radical happened. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And I know, Armando, you're like, what happened? What happened, right? Like, you want to know what happened. What happened? So Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Hey, wait, we're all together in one place. What? So just a little historical uh, information. What, what is Pentecost? What was it? Well, it was a pretty significant feast, actually. Pentecost was one of the three major Jewish festivals. The other two, Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles, which, by the way, Jesus fulfills them all. From the Greek word for 50, Pentecost was so named because it fell on the 50th day after the Sabbath of the Passover. So roughly 50 days has passed 
Pentecost was also known as the Feast of Weeks and the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the day of the first fruits. During this harvest celebration, the Jews brought to God the first fruits of their harvest and thanksgiving, expecting that God would give the rest of the harvest and his blessing. This is radical stuff. This particular day of Pentecost was the day of first fruits of Christ's church, the beginning of the great harvest of souls who would come to know Christ and be joined together through the work of the Holy Spirit. God was about to move in power, and the harvest is on. Verse 2, suddenly. That means without warning. They had no idea when this was going to happen, but suddenly, or how, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Like, like doors shut, windows closed. Wind. Power, presence. It's like just what Jesus was talking about with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 8, when he says the wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's going or where it's coming from. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Like even now, like as I, as I walk and I do, I walk and I pray over our property and, and just spend time outside praying, there are times where in the Spirit, all of a sudden, I will feel a gust of wind, and I'm like, your presence. Move. Move, Lord. So wind begins to fill the home where they are. First wind and then fire. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. I mean, this is just as John the Baptist prophesied. You see, John the Baptist prophesied, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me, one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and, and fire. So we first have wind, then we have fire, then we have power. Verse 4, all of them, some of them, all of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Like at this moment, the person and presence of God, the Holy Spirit, was poured into them. Like liquid fills a cup. Like you ever, you ever been like pouring something or like, I don't know if you all have this in your house, but like a, an automatic dispensing of, of water from your refrigerator. And there's times where our kids, they go up there and they just put it up there and they're like this. And you can hear it. It's like pouring over like. And I'm like, it's full. <laughs> that kind of filling where you start getting filled up and it just starts pouring out of you. Like Holy Spirit was poured into them and immediately God's power and presence was manifested in real and powerful ways. I'm going to tell you right now, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will manifest himself in you in real and tangible, powerful ways. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in real, tangible, and powerful ways. He just will. So they're filled with dynamic power, strength, supernatural, God-given abilities, things that they didn't have before, right? Like all of a sudden they burst out to the streets and they're proclaiming the glory of God 
in all of the languages, just so happens, because it was a pilgrim festival and all of these Jews had come from all other parts of the world, they began proclaiming in languages they'd never studied and they had full linguistic ability and they began proclaiming in the native tongues of all those who were gathered. See, what Jesus was doing through Holy Spirit was gathering a crowd. See, Holy Spirit was like, hey, everybody, come on over here. And he did it through the apostles. And he did it through those who were gathered. Listen to this, verse 5. Now there were saying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, that is the sound of these, these apostles, the sound of those filled, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Bewilderment because each one heard their language being spoken. I mean, just imagine. Like they all spoke Greek, but they were all hearing their native language, you know? And they were like, how do they know how to speak that? How do they? And it was like the reversal of the Tower of Babel where like God was bringing the nations back together in and through the powerful pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And I love this, verse 12. They were amazed and perplexed and they asked one another, what does this mean? Like Holy Spirit was priming them for the proclamation of the message. And of course, there were a few people there where they were like, verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they're, they're drunk. They've had too much wine. And there are always people who are knocking a powerful work of God. But at this moment, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit and power, stands, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, and he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. This is powerful. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. I love how he qualifies this. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> now, if it was noon, I just think that's funny. Like, he qualifies it. It's too early for that. But we, we can see when this happened. Like the timestamp. And what's crazy is Peter, in the power and presence of Holy Spirit, stands and he delivers a powerful sermon. He preaches a fully developed sermon he did not prepare. He boldly proclaimed the gospel. He used technical and specific Old Testament passages. It is a theological powerhouse of truth. It consumes almost the entirety of chapter 2. And what it reminds me of it reminds me of exactly what Jesus had said to his apostles in chapter 10 as he was preparing to send them out on their first ministry endeavor. Y'all remember this from Matthew 10. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but who? The Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And that's exactly what's happening. By the way, this does not encourage you as teachers to not prepare before you teach. I've heard people say, oh, I just, you know, I get up before I speak. I don't prepare anything. And I just say, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Show me what I'm supposed to teach. And I'm like, what if the Holy Spirit replies, you should have studied. <laughs> you should have prepared. <laughs> so listen to this. Peter, who literally 51 days prior was swearing that he didn't even know Jesus. There was literally a young servant girl by a fire who Peter was scared of. 
Now, 51 days later, Peter is standing up in Jerusalem, less than a mile from where Christ was crucified, and he is proclaiming the gospel of salvation to all who were gathered. I'm like, what happened to Peter? Yeah, Jesus. And, and some would say, well, he saw the resurrected Jesus. Absolutely. He did see the resurrected Jesus. But I'm going to argue at this moment, he was clothed, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, we are changed when we see the resurrected Jesus. That changes us forever. But then at that moment, he was clothed, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit, and in power he presented the gospel. And look at verse 37 in your Bible. Look what happened. This is crazy. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to, to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Remember that first question they asked? What does this mean? What shall we do? See, they were moved to action like they knew. And, and what was happening at that moment is the Holy Spirit was bringing such deep conviction that it was likened to a knife cutting the heart. When was your heart cut? When did you come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the awareness of your sin? Like that conviction, like when did you proclaim, what shall I do? Like I remember the day <laughs> that I came under the awareness and the conviction that I was a sinner in need of saving. Now, it wasn't a shock to anyone else around me, right? Like all of the signs and symptoms were very much on display. So when I walked into a prayer room and I was like, I, I need salvation, nobody in that room was shocked. Oh, I can't believe Chris Carroll's not saved. They were like, we've been praying for you. <laughs> but I was cut to the heart. See, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of judgment, and of righteousness. And I was under that conviction. I want you to consider something. Had Peter preached this message one day sooner, if he had got up in his own strength the day before Pentecost and had run out into the streets and said, Hey, my fellow Jews, everybody gather up, gather up, gather up. First of all, no one would have gathered there would have been no power. Same message, but no movement. But the message of the gospel in and through the Holy Spirit is powerful to move the human heart. And the people ask, what do we do? What do you do when you realize that you're a sinner in need of saving? What do you do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Turn from your sin own it. Ask for forgiveness. This is the gospel. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he's been buried and he's risen. I believe. I ask for forgiveness. And then he says, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Be cleansed and you will receive the gift of what? The gift. I love that. The promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Have you been called? It is for you. And, and this is exactly my experience. I repented of my sins, but I will tell you on the day of my baptism, September 9th, 2001, that moment when I came up out of the water and I went, 
something filled me. I say something, someone. Like in real power and real presence, I knew it was the presence and power of God. Like I was just overwhelmed, flooded with love. Like I called my dad, who like I literally hated. I just like, last time I had seen him before that was like, I hope you die. And then the next time I talked to him, I was like, you are so loved by God and I love you. Like God's love had been poured into my heart. Something had happened. And I remember being around a group of believers, and they were like, okay, slow down. You're getting too emotional. We need to rein you back in. Because there's something risky about what's happening, what we're seeing. You're getting getting too excited. Like something's, we need to start teaching you sound doctrine and theology. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds rad. And, and that's exactly what I did. I threw myself into every study, threw myself into every, every class. I threw myself into it. And no one ever talked about how the filling of the Holy Spirit was absolutely essential for the spiritual life. No one ever talked about it. And for some reason, I moved and operated in churches where like, we just never talked about Holy Spirit. We, well, we did. I mean, sort of. Kind of like we talk about that friend that we never see, but we kind of like, we're like, I really like that guy. I should give him a call. (laughs) Who are you talking about? Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. I called him once. Yeah, he was really cool. Yeah. You ever hang out with him? No, that's kind of dangerous. I don't want to be like those people. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them, listen to this, and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Family, save yourself. We are living in a corrupt generation. Save yourself from it. Turn to Christ. For some of us, this is the day where you have to turn from this crooked generation from sin and turn to Christ. I love this. And at that moment, at their mess- this message and power, they were baptized. Listen to this. 3,000 people were added that day. That's power. Had Peter preached that one day prior, there wouldn't have been three. And in through the power of Holy Spirit, there were 3,000. That is power. So what I want to share with you are some take-homes. I want you to really think about this this week. I want you to really pray about this right now. The three words, clothed, baptized, and filled, is that your experience? Because as I read this, what I'm reading is we need power, and the message needs to be empowered. I can tell you from personal experience that many of my undertakings of quote-unquote evangelism have been done in my own strength and power. And it shows. But the gospel message of Christ dying on the cross for our sins, being buried and rising on the third day so that all who trusted him and believe can receive forgiveness of sins, when you preach that in and through the power and presence of Holy Spirit, people's hearts are cut and they are moved. And my prayer is that for you who do not know Christ and you have not given your life to Jesus, I pray that today that is what you're experiencing right now. I pray you're being led to a place of saying, what do I do? I pray that's happening. Because the question that came out was, what does it mean and what should I do? Well, repent and be baptized, all of you, and receive the Holy Spirit. On July 29th, 
uh, Friday, July 29th, we're going to have a, a baptism service at the local wave park, water park. And we're, we're, we just written it out, and we're going we're gonna to go out there, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going we're gonna to watch as people's lives are being con- committed to Christ in this moment of baptism. It's going to be sweet and wonderful. You've never been baptized. And you're like, well, yeah, I've received Jesus, but I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've never been baptized? Like, that doesn't make sense. Believers are baptized. And we, we go, and, and we are, un, like, loaded into the water, and we come out, and it's just this, this amazing spiritual experience. So if that is you, July 29th, and, and we'll have more information as we go, but um, for some of us this morning, it's time to receive Jesus as your Savior. And then finally, I, I just want to share this last point. Do you want the gift? So I'm going to share a personal story. So like I said, something happened. Remember that, Armando? Remember that? I told you something happened. So on April 20th, so like a month and a half ago, I was praying, and I was walking the property. And I'm not going to explain to you everything, because some of it's just between me and the Lord, but um, I experienced something. A power and a presence of God that can only be compared to like wave after wave of love, like power. And it came in a moment where I simply just took a posture of ask, and I was just asking him. I was like, Lord, I know, I know there's more, and I know I'm not experiencing that. And I asked, and I experienced what I have later come to discover is a true baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, oh, I'm going crazy. Because in my doctrinal upbringing, these things don't happen to Christians. And if they do, something has happened that's wrong. It's somehow evil. And I've come to discover, actually, that's an ignorant statement. And it's a statement of fear. And it's a crazy pendulum swing because we look over at charismatic churches and we're like, we don't want to be anything like that. So we swing all the way over here and and we become something else. And and I believe like the Lord's like, okay, church, we need to be right in the middle. Like we do need more movement of Holy Spirit and we do need sound biblical theology and teaching and we need to be like join those things together and no longer be scared of the movement of the Holy Spirit, but invite him to move and invite him into our life. And so this morning, I'm just going to ask um, a couple of things. If, if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, and today's the day where you're like, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life to Christ. After the service, I'm going to be waiting for you up here. And you just come on up. And, and we're going to pray together. And this is the day, June 5th, 2022. But today, if you want to experience more of God, more of his spirit, more of his power, and more of his presence, I'm going to ask that you just stand with me and put your hands out if you'd like to experience more this morning. Okay, so I want you to just start praying, Lord, I ask for more. Lord, I ask for more. More of your love, more of your power, more of your presence, more of your goodness, more of your grace. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you move, that you breathe into, that you fill, that you pour yourself into each one of us 
Now, Lord, we are your vessels. Lord, pour your presence into us. Rivers of living water, we ask, we invite you here. Holy Spirit, we will no longer put boundaries on how you move. We will no longer declare what you do and you don't do. We are going to trust exactly what the word says. That we can experience filling and we can experience baptism. That Father, you have blessed us with the greatest gift, the fullness of your presence, the fullness of your presence, Lord Jesus. And so Lord, our hands are out. We as a church, we ask. We invite you here. Holy Spirit, you are free to move here. We thank you for your goodness and grace. And we ask for more, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I encourage you this week, let's all stand together. That as you go through this week, understand that when you pray that prayer, he's going to answer. But it's time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all till we meet again, same time, same place next week. I'm just going to stop you right here because if the light bulb doesn't go on, may you be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all read that? We say that every single week. We say that every single week. And so before we get to next Sunday, we got Bible studies on Wednesdays. We got stuff for the kids and students. Get, get plugged in, family. If you are new next week, we have newcomers orientation. Come to that, 9.30 a.m. Get plugged into your church. But I don't want you to forget, you are loved. Now let's go proclaim that to the world. Let's lavish it on one another, and let's go rock these streets with the love of Jesus.